This is a podcast where I talk to people with disabilities to hear their stories. I wouldn't expect anyone to know what life is like for someone who can't walk, can't see, or can't hear. But we have a responsibility to learn and grow throughout our lives. And this podcast is meant to help to see what life is like for someone on the other side. Welcome to Ability. On this episode, radio host for CITR, D.B. Lale. Let's get started. So how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Thank you for asking. Tell me about your disability as if I know nothing. Uh, Well, I was born and raised uh, with a disability called metatropic dwarfism, or some say it as metatropic dysplasia, which is a rare disability that's uh, not a disease, but a a condition mainly uh, affecting the bones and joints. I'm, I'm explaining the term on my own experience as it's too complicated and confusing to explain the definition in a medical form. But on a physical level, I rely on using electric wheelchairs to get around places. But uh, mentally, I'm perfectly capable of expressing my own opinions and thoughts. Whatever I need, mentally, it's all good. But physically, like I said, I use an electric wheelchair. When did you first realize you were different? I think I was around maybe four or five years old, just because uh, my own cousins who were like didn't have a disability they they were walking and I wasn't so yeah you, you kind of get the idea that I'm different right what are some of the symptoms for metatrophic dysplasia so it's the bone structures are a little bit shaped or looked different and the joints over time, they change. Yeah, they change over the years. So um, you might be comfortable in one position, but later on in the years, it changes and you're comfortable in a different position. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, so it just, it changes over the years. But you make it as best as possible and, and go from there. What was it like for you growing up? It was it was not too bad. I I actually had a fairly normal life as possible. I loved writing. So as a kid, I was always writing short stories, playing outside with my friends and uh, cousins. Yeah, going to school like every kid would go. Learning, I loved to learn, and I loved to uh, challenge myself. I was part of school plays, reading. It was as normal childhood as possible. Now that's great. What was it like for you in school? It was more of like me going in, being a typical kid, just learning the school subject. But I also had one-to-one support. Sometimes I would be writing notes, but then at times I would get tired for constantly writing, so I would 
get someone else to write for me. That's where the one-to-one support would come in. Like a, a attendant, that person would be writing for me. Um, but as far as like doing the assignments and stuff, that was all on me. But for a long period of time, if I have to write, then somebody else would take over. But it was as normal as possible with other students because I didn't want to be different from them. I wanted to be equal. How was the one-to-one support? Can you explain how that worked out? Well, so the school system usually has like a classroom assistant or now they call it educational assistants. They hire people and that have experience working with people with disabilities. So from that, you know, I was asked if you want to meet the person, which I did. And if it matches, then yeah, that's how we connect. And so the person usually writes for me if I need it, and we go from there. But physically, um, they also help with, you know, going to the washroom or if I need to eat, they help me with that. If I need to be positioned, like sometimes I move in my chair and or I'm uncomfortable, so they'll kind of shift me up so I'm comfortable again. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what one-to-one support does. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. Uh, did you have any other support in school or any other help beyond that? No, uh, just just that, and then, of course, the teachers. What was your relationship like with your parents? Oh, really, really good. Uh, my mom has been the most supportive and encouraging, like any parent would. She never said, oh, you can't do this, or you can't do that. She's always been encouraging and supportive, you know. Um, my dad, on the other hand, um, he's like any parent, you know, he gets worried, which all parents do, don't they? But at the end of the day, I I can't thank them enough to give me the opportunity to just see the world or see what's available. And they've always been encouraging. That's fantastic to hear. What adaptations have you made to the world around you? So growing up, I actually didn't have anything. You know, I'm an 80s kid, so <laughs> we didn't really have a lot. That's the thing now, like, like what we have now, and I'm sure you can relate to that. Um, but um, so it was all writing, you know, by hand. But through uh, growing up, I, uh, I actually use a laptop computer to uh, type and communicate as I'm communicating with you. Yeah, and then I use a, a van for uh, getting around places. It, the van is very um, specialized as well, so there's a lift where I can bring the chair up and, or the lift brings the chair up and it gives me a lot more of independence and freedom. And then I use a wheelchair, which I definitely need to get around places. So those, those are some of the things that help me as far as machines go. That's fantastic. 
and you mentioned uh, how you move around a lot or you get uncomfortable. I find that fairly common with people in wheelchairs because if you don't move around, you're more likely to end up with a blood clot. So most people I know who are in wheelchairs tend to fidget around quite a bit and need to be repositioned. Exactly. I mean, uh, sitting in the chair for a long period of time can be excruciating. Definitely uh, uncomfortable to I'm sure anyone sitting in that position for, for so long, it can be discomfort. If you could have any job, if education, cost, and physical ability were not a factor, just pure enjoyment, what would you most like to do? Honestly, travel. <laughs> I love to learn cultures and just see what's out there. Um, I love nature. I love meeting new people, see what other uh, places offer. But unfortunately, you know, cost is very effective in my land of the side. And then you also have to look at accessibility, money as well. So yeah, um, it, it's definitely a challenge. But, but if if I didn't have to worry about it, definitely travel. So a bit like the anthropologist thing. I guess so, yeah. And then also finding a job. You know, like a suitable uh, job, going to school. Yeah. Who inspires you? I knew I was going to be asked this question. And that's a very tough question for me to answer because I get inspired by many people that I meet. Um, inspired by my friends who, who are also in a wheelchair or use wheelchairs and uh, just what they do every day inspires me. I would say my mom, obviously, because she raised both me and I actually have a twin sister as well. And she raised both of us as normal as possible. And then I guess I would say Oprah Winfrey, just simply because she's done a lot in the media mainstream and in the community around her. I mean, she's an actress, producer, and a big advocate for the things she believes in. And yeah, so I get inspired by her and just the way uh, she balances things, it ke keeps it professional. Um, but yeah, my mom would be uh, the most ideal person that I get inspired by. What brings you joy? Just seeing people smile. I don't know. I don't know why, but I just, yeah. You enjoy seeing people happy. And then I get happy because they're happy. That's great. It's very simple. It's, yeah. I'm, I'm not, um, I'm a very happy person. I try to be at least. Um, so it doesn't take me long to, to get excited or to think positive or be optimistic. What do you consider your biggest accomplishment? Oh, wow. There's a couple things. I guess graduating from high school was a big thing. 
because I was graduating alongside with my twin sister and then uh, graduating alongside with my classmates who, who I grew up with pretty much. Um, so that was pretty special. And, and that was my first ever goal that I wanted to accomplish. And then just joining CITR, which is a radio station that I voluntarily work at. I never thought that I would be in the radio world. Just just being there and working is a huge, huge thing for me. Um, meeting different people through CITR um, has been a joy. And completing all the projects is is actually a huge accomplishment. And then also getting an award for that as well, for the, all the hard work that I've put in, um, is pretty special. Tell me about CITR. Uh, how did that come about with you being involved? So CITR came about five years ago, believe it or not. So I wanted to go back to school. Long story short, I couldn't get the funding for one-to-one support to go back to school because going back to school, it's a full-time commitment. You have to, you know, travel back and forth. And I needed one-to-one support, which you have to get funding for that. And so I didn't get it. And I had to come up with a backup plan and presented to me that, you know, maybe, maybe you should do volunteer job because if you, you know, a volunteer, maybe there's a chance for me to get a, a career down the line. So I thought the idea was good. Although it wasn't my first idea, I was keen to try it out. And um, so I went on, or my attendant, uh, support worker, she uh, went on Google and did campus radio stations. And so CATR was one of the lists. And uh, we called and I got a, a tour. And yeah, the rest is history. Like, I loved what I saw and I felt really good. And one thing about me is I go with my instincts. So if something tells me that it's going to be good, I go for it. And CITR was just the right fit for me. The people were awesome, welcoming, and five years later, I'm still there. What is the biggest challenge you've had to overcome? I think just accessibility is one thing. You know, um, you wish that it could, like, everything could be adaptable, but, you know, there are places where it's not and just being ex- I don't I don't think accepting by people because people do expect uh, accept you um, but just maybe another challenge could be that um, people look at you as another person not as a person who is completely disabled does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, 
accessibility would be one, definitely. That That's, in my life, it's been a challenge. What are the biggest accessibility challenges for you? Getting into buildings that don't have ramps, uh, obviously reasons. Not enough elevators or no elevators. Finding accessible parking, which I need because I use a specialized van that is oversized. So parking can be challenging and then there are times where I have to pay for parking. Then when there are ramps, uh, they're narrow or they're blocked by uh, cars that are parked. Um, there's Some buildings don't have elevators, narrow doors. So when you're trying to get into the buildings, um, it's, it's a tricky thing to get in because the doors are really narrow or... Only one door opens. Those are the things that I I get bothered by, but I don't. I try to make it as best as I can. How do you think people see you? <laughs> um, that's hard for me to answer, but um, I think a lot of people look at me as just a positive, outgoing um person who doesn't let her disability uh, get in the way, or at least tries not to. A lot of times I've been at uh, 12, you, you know, you're very inspiring and encouraging. So I guess I take that as a compliment. But yeah, it mostly I get you're very inspiring and very optimistic. How do you wish people would see you? Just one of them. Yeah, I have a disability, but I mean, I don't I don't really look at that. It's just a word for me. Yeah, uh, I do have some mobility issues and I do use a wheelchair, but I mean, that doesn't take away who I really am. I'm, I am a human being. I do have thoughts. Like, like everyone else, it might be a little bit different just because I have different opinions. But overall, I'm just another person. But just use a wheelchair. And that wheelchair is like sets of legs. I've had a few people on my podcast who are in Canada. And I just wanted to ask you, what is your Canadian healthcare experience like? How is that for you? When is it helpful? When is it not? Can you just give me a, a high level overview of what your healthcare experience is like? I think I like, yeah, my parents don't pay. Um, and the only thing that they paid is the portion of the van. But as far as like, I get my um, medication if I do need it. I don't really take medication, but when I do, um, it's covered uh, by the government or the ministry who are the government. Um, hospitals cover thanks to my doctor who does like letters, recommendations, like this. He explains that this person has a disability and this is the disability, and then they do all this um, medical term letter stuff, which 
I don't know anything about, but it's the government, basically, that pays for any medica- medications or uh, even even my wheelchair. Uh, I don't, my family doesn't pay. The, the government pays. It's a long list, though, because there are a lot of people that need um, funding for uh, severe care that they... Uh, or the needs that they need. So everybody's different, but it is like a, a process where they're in a list to get funding. So you do have to wait a little bit. Ultimately, at the end of the day, you don't pay. It's the uh, government that pays. You mentioned that there is a list, just very rough guesstimate. How long does it take for you to get through the list? So say you need a new wheelchair tomorrow. How long does it take? Uh, typically, is it six months, six years? Give me a rough idea, if you don't mind. It really depends, because I think nowadays, like I know when I was younger, it would be maybe quicker, but now the population is growing, so the list is even greater. Like I'll give you an example. So I'm in the middle of getting a new wheelchair, and I put. Well, my, not me, but my occupational therapist uh, put in a request back in, I think it was January, and I got it approved in March. So it could be two months, it could be six months, it could be a year. It all really depends how big the list is and how, how, uh, how much people really need support. Do you ever run into the issue where they reject to fund something, or is it typically you just wait and they typically approve everything? No, I have been rejected. Uh, It's funny you say that because I I do have a specialized van, a vehicle, where uh, I did request like seven, eight years ago, and it was rejected. So um, that does happen, but then... You can try again in a couple of years or a year after. And if you have luck, then uh, they they will cover. But I've never been in that situation where it completely rejected. But yeah, but I'm on one of those people too that I don't give up. So if one, one time doesn't work, I'll keep trying another time. For your accessible van, did the uh, government pay for a large portion of it, just half of it? Like, how much did they pay for on that accessible van? Because they're very expensive. Yes, they are. Um, a half of them, like, they paid a half, and my parents covered the other half. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, there's actually a story, but I, I'm not 100% certain but I think my local MLA played a role because she's a very nice person. Um, she's definitely a, a per- people person. But I explained to her, you know, it's so difficult um, traveling using uh, uh, transportation, like the buses and stuff, because, uh, you know, there's so many people because the population's growing and people are always using buses and, you know, time-consuming too. I would love to get a, a, a vehicle, 
that is suitable for me and my sister, because my sister is also in a wheelchair. And um, just, I need more freedom. Um, and so, I don't know, but she, she spoke to people around her and, um, yeah. So I, I got a letter saying that you, I did put, and that was the year that I tried second time to request for, uh, funding for a van. And it, thanks to her, it was approved. And, um, a year later, I got a van. That's fantastic. Here in the States, I have an accessible vehicle. And if you're willing to go into the workforce, the government will pay for you to have certain accommodations. And a vehicle can be one of them in the idea that you would use that to have transportation to go to work or to school. They did not pay all of it. They paid... uh, they paid the amount for the modification of the vehicle, but not the vehicle itself. So that ended up being a large portion, yes, but there was still a lot that was not covered. So how did that work there then? Like, do the parents, like, who pays the other half? You go get a loan. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's the way it works here. You go get a loan for everything. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. You want to go to school, you go get a loan. You want a house, you get a loan. You want a car, you go get a loan. Yeah, it's it's expensive. I find it kind of terrible what we do to young people here. But anyway, that's that's beside the point. That Yeah, we don't need to go there. You did mention your sister, though. You said your sister is also in a wheelchair. Like, tell me a little bit more about that. How is it like having a sister who also is in a wheelchair? Um, it's... Well, I mean, we, we, she's, so we're, we're twins and she's the oldest by six minutes. And so I, I need to point that out because I'm not the oldest, which I have no problem with. Um, but she uses, uh, electric wheelchair like I do. Um, and, uh, she's not in the radio world like I am, but, um, she, She's in a program where they learn community um, things, like uh, she's part of a choir, um, she's out and about going to the malls or or uh, going to um, aquariums or something, just, just living daily and having uh, fun and out of the community. Um, so she, she does her own little thing and, um, but yeah, she, she had a same childhood as I did, but I was more outgoing where she was, um, outgoing in her own, in her own pace. Um, but she went to school like, like I, uh, everybody else did. And when we were growing up. Um, yeah, she, she's happy and healthy and, uh, doesn't let little things get in the way either. Are you very close to your sister? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, she's my twin, right? She knows what I'm going through or I know what she's going through. So it's, it's a great comfort that we can share that together. 
and express it together because sometimes people don't understand uh, what it's like being in a wheelchair or what it's like having to deal with people that come up to you sometimes. And that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. But sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming. So she she knows the, how I feel. And it's, it's nice to, to have someone who lives so close to you to share that experience. It must have been very difficult for your parents when you wanted to go on a family trip for you and your sister to have to pack both wheelchairs and all that stuff. How was that? Yeah, it was very difficult. Um, but my parents are not the ones uh, who like to complain a lot. Um, you know, it is what it is. You just make it as best as you can. But yeah, it, let's be honest, it was challenging. We didn't have accessible van growing up, so we just used a normal sized van. And my parents would carry us, or they would use manual wheelchairs where they could push us. So yeah, that was challenging, but we really didn't get to travel a lot either because I was too busy with school, and same goes with my sister, and then having like electric wheelchairs, aborting them in airplanes was a challenge, and at the end of the day, it all worked out. So you have flown before. Tell me about your experience flying, because unfortunately not a lot of people with physical disabilities get that opportunity. I think I was like 16, so yeah, well later. <laughs> into my childhood where I, I did get the opportunity to fly on the airplane. We went to Disneyland because that, that was always my dream to see, you know, Mickey and Minnie like everybody else. And so we did go. I had no idea what that was going to look like. I uh, was separated from my wheelchair. The wheelchair was in a another airplane where all the luggage is. And I was with the passengers in another plane and sat like any other passenger would. And um, that's only like an hour and a half because I live in the West Coast here. An hour and a half, two hour flight, which was great. The wheelchair went to a different plane. It was okay. Um, and then, yeah, getting to Los Angeles was another adventure, but uh, it all went fine at the end. I've flown before, but my, but the wheelchair that I was in was on the same plane. I can't imagine it being on a different plane. <laughs> if you lose your luggage, that's one thing on a different plane. That must have been horrifying. Uh, yeah, no, I had my, well, my plane was, or my uh, wheelchair was just fine. Um, yeah, no, um, I, I've never really, although I'm gonna try this because that's one of my goals in the future is to travel more, but, um, I don't, I don't know if you can, like, in, here in Canada, if you can actually travel in your chair, like, be in your chair. So, um, that's interesting that you 
mention that. I did not fly in my wheelchair, but my wheelchair was on the same plane. I sat in the, uh, you know, with the regular passengers, and they put my wheelchair in cargo is what happened. But I was not on it, you know, but I did not ride in the chair. Yeah, no, uh, even, like, I'm not quite sure what it is right now, um, but normally the wheelchair would be in another, but, but, but yeah, that was for me back then. I don't, yeah. Maybe now it's changed, um, but yeah, um, I was never, like, my chair was never with me. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say at the pearly gates? Like, I would really like God to say that you did what you could. You made the most, as, most of your life as you could with the ability that you were given and the the support around your network that you were given and that he or she is proud that's the last question i have for you is there anything else you want to talk about no but um i just wanted to say uh thanks so much jacob for having me i hope i uh answered most of your questions okay Yeah, I hope we uh, keep in touch. And for everyone who's listening, just live your life as best as you can. There's no right or wrong. But at the end of the day, even though it's a little difficult to do, think of something a little bit positive and smile. Thanks to Deepy for being on this episode of the podcast. You can follow her on Twitter at D-E-E-P-I underscore L. You can follow me on Twitter at the Jacob Holt, and you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Ability Podcast. You can also like the show's Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Ability Podcast. And if you get a moment, please review the podcast on iTunes. It really helps out the show. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, keep on rolling.